I mean, much like yesterday's game, a flag on the play, delay a game, Larry Kruger, we walked off the yardage, but here we are going to get ahead of the chains before this morning is over. Good morning, Larry. Better late than never. How are you, man? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I'm better than the 49ers were yesterday. How about that? Yeah, you know, I think that that's a fair assessment. Boy, we got a lot to get into here. Uh, panic time. It's it's the wrong time to panic, but we start as always, Larry, with just the facts. And the fact of the matter is, is there are two key injuries on the 49ers for the first time this year. <coughs> Pardon me. Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel. Neither of them finished the game. I guess the good news on the injury front is it looked like Trent Williams might have gotten hurt in that game. He put the fear of God into anyone, into everybody, but he did finish the game. But McCaffrey and Debo, hard to win without him, apparently. Well, I mean, it was it was a it was a there was just a lot of adversity yesterday. There's no question about it. And um it was just one of the reasons they didn't win the game is they didn't have, you know, those guys. You know, the thing about it is a lot of people would argue, Damon, they're redundant. But at the end of the day, I I may even agree with that. But you got to have one of them, right? And you didn't have either of them. And you're on the road against the number one defense. Um, That was just, you know, that was one of the reasons that they they lost yesterday. I watched the game film again last night after late at night. And I thought they – I thought overall it was – you know, they did a lot of good things in the game, but um, the Browns, I think, did an incredible job at defending the Niner run game after that first drive, and that really was what held the day. After that, um, the 49ers, you know, we so much about football is run the ball, stop the run. The Browns did a better job of running the ball and stopping the run against the 49ers yesterday, and ultimately that's why they won. They removed the winning formula from Kyle Shanahan. Stay ahead of the chains, get ahead on that scoreboard, control the clock with the ground game. The the Niners basically entire afternoon came down to two drives, the opening drive of the game and the final drive of the game. That's where most of the offense was generated the entire afternoon. Just the facts, Larry, 215 total yards, their fewest in a game under Kyle Shanahan. The fifth time that they've been held under 250 yards since Shanahan arrived, 215 though yesterday, and the Niners are 0-5 in those games. So, you know, you got to do something offensively to have a shot in this league, especially against a defense like that on a day that was built to slow you down with the weather, with some officiating calls, which we will not, We're not going to make the focus of this show blown calls because the Niners are a team that is built to control their own destiny this year. They did not control their own destiny in that game. We got some decisions to talk about, but Larry, it was a, it was a a terrible offensive afternoon for an offense that hadn't even approached the concept of an even off offensive afternoon at any game that we've seen this year. Like they were that bad and a combination of Cleveland being that good was just something they, they did not overcome. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, first of all, um, Kyle Shanahan struggles against this defensive coordinator. Jim he Schwartz is there. There's something about coach ownage, man. There really is nine and one, nine and one is what Schwartz is against Shanahan. So, um, and there were several issues with the offense. Um, you know, I mean, one Purdy was not great. 
in the first half, he bounced the ball to Ray Ray McLeod. He overthrew CMC, struggled with two wet ball plays. One was a poor throw to Kittle that was off target. The other fell off of his hand mid-throw. And then you go to the second half, Purdy also had three poor passes. He had the tip ball by JOK. He had the ball that was behind Ayuk that was intercepted by Emerson. And then he had a ball that was that was very late in the game that was almost picked uh, by Newsom. So Purdy struggled, but not nearly as much as they as people are going to rake him today for. Ayuk and Debo combined for four drops. Um, that was a huge part of this. Um, and then go to George Kittle. He was a total non-factor in the passing game. Then you mix in injuries to CMC and Debo and Trent. That was clearly felt. Um, I kind of felt like Kyle Shanahan, you know, it's 2020 hindsight, but he probably should have run more plays. They were going up against the number one passing D, um, and the Browns are good against the run, but they're great against the pass. And to me, they should have run it a little bit more. And um, I think they should have used uh, Mason a little bit more. I mean, Mason is a big power back. I think they should have used him more, especially once McCaffrey went down. Um, And then you mix in the two angles that nobody will talk about today. It felt like the Niners suffered a little emotional letdown after their victory over Dallas. And then the Browns had what the Bengals are going to have in a few weeks, which is a major rest advantage. Uh, They looked fresher and they looked like the better prepared team. Well, not on that first drive, though. I mean, no. Kyle comes After out and he drive. dials up six right away again. I mean, uh, it, uh, to me, Larry, there were a lot of moments that could have been winning moments in this game for the 49ers. And as bad as they were, as tilted as the officiating felt, certainly in, in the scope of just two plays that I know that we're going to talk about today a little bit later on, um, it was a day where everything that mostly could go wrong went wrong for the 49ers on the road in bad weather against the best defense in football. And they're still lining up for a game winning kick. Like as bad as everything was, they still had a chance to win that game. Moody, obviously two crucial misses. It's easy to focus on this, the, the, the final miss, the last kick of the game as this is where the 49ers lost. But there's all sorts of little moments in that game where the 49ers could really took, you know, could have taken control. And they didn't do it, Larry. To me, the single biggest play of this game, the single biggest failure of this game for the 49ers was not getting off the field on fourth down. It is fourth and four with about 6.52 left to play in the game. And you even got a cutaway shot of Steve Wilkes saying, damn it, you know, because he knew that that was a big one. That was the biggest play of the game, and the Niners' defense didn't get off the field. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the Niners' defense, you know, struggled without Trey Greenlaw. There's no question. You know, Greenlaw has played at a really, really high level this year. They didn't have him. Um, you know, I I, I thought their, their tackling against really – two or three different players was really sloppy. They didn't corral Ford. They didn't corral Hunt. Uh, they, they didn't corral the tight end Joku, ex-Niner Marquise Goodwin. The tackling was shoddy. It really was. Um, and, you know, that I thought that was that was a major part of this as well. They just didn't, they didn't tackle that well. Um, you know, the Niner D-line on paper should have absolutely dominated 
the Browns O-line on paper, and it just didn't happen. So the Browns were without their Pro Bowl guard, Joel Batonio. The center was dinged up. Uh, Neither tackle was playing all that great, and yet the 49ers only got two hits on the quarterback all day. Uh, you know, only, or I should say only two sacks of the quarterback all day. I mean, it was, it was a day that left a lot of fans scratching their head going, what the hell did I just watch? And it doesn't make sense based on everything I had watched coming into this game from the 49ers to this point. So a disappointing afternoon for sure. Finger pointing is the name of the game on a Monday after the loss. And you and I, I'm sure got some fingers to point at a few moments, a few plays, as to what happened, but you know, as, as cliche as it is, Larry, it's on to Minnesota. I mean, the goal of this year was not to beat the Cleveland Browns in week six. The goal of this year is to be a super bowl champion. That goal has not been deterred. They haven't even been bounced out of the one seed because guess who else lost on the road to a backup quarterback yesterday, the Philadelphia Eagles. So at least the league continued to break around the Niners in a way that was beneficial to them. There's been a lot of that so far, but you know, a team that is good enough to control its own destiny, lost control of a football game. They never really, it looked like they had it early on, but I thought another devastating moment. It didn't feel devastating in real time. It was bad in real time, but it didn't feel like, man, that's going to be a real difference this afternoon. Was right after the Fred Warner interception, they're starting a drive on the Cleveland 26-yard line. Larry, they came away with zero points from the Cleveland 26. And had it gone 10 to nothing or 14 nothing. I think the entire game just feels much differently. And the sadness factory starts to produce, you know, that up here we go again, that every single Cleveland Browns fan and player and coach knows all too well. If they're down at home 14 to nothing, I just think the entire game plays out much differently. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, You know, to me, it was just a, it was a combination of factors where, you had, you know, um, you, you you lost some of your key weapons. You're going up against the number one defense on the road. They are way more rested than you. You're in an emotional letdown window. Um, you weren't particularly sharp, um, you know, against against them in any phase, really. Um, your quarterback wasn't sharp. You didn't tackle well. Then you mix in two missed kicks. That that hurt. Uh, don't even don't forget about the the horrendous game altering penalties. Uh, it's not excuses. It's it's what happened. Um, so hey, it's you know they just they just kind of ran out of options. I mean, it, and all this, and they wound up losing by a couple points. So you know, I mean, uh, the Browns. A lot of some people think the Browns are a Super Bowl team. Some people think the Browns are are really special. Um, I, I I don't, but they did enough to win the game. Hey, you know? maybe the fully intact Cleveland Browns might have been that. Maybe their cream would have risen to the top of the AFC somehow, some way. Uh, you know, the Buffalo Bills last night kind of looked like false prophets. Uh, the Jets, obviously, big win yesterday, but they're not going to ever realize their potential with their quarterbacking situation. Deshaun Watson, 
not being able to go. Nick Chubb being hurt absolutely threw the Cleveland Browns off of their access a little bit, but that's a very good defense, and that defense beat the 49ers up front. was not a good day for the 49ers offensive line. Uh, They did not take advantage of a depleted Cleveland defensive line. Uh, I will say Randy Gregory, welcome to the team. He looked pretty good. I thought Randy Gregory had a good afternoon, but the afternoon got spoiled, obviously, with a missed what felt like such a makeable field goal, too. Um, and what stinks, I want to count the people in this picture. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Jake Moody's entire family was at that game. His entire family. He wow. had ten people in a picture of him standing there in Cleveland, in the dog pound, and he's got his entire family there, and he doesn't just miss one. He misses two kicks, and the second kick – You know, I I could never kick a 41-yard field goal, but I'm not in the NFL. 41-yard field goals are makeable field goals by any standard in this league. I don't care about the terrain, the weather, indoors, outdoors. 41 is a makeable field goal for every professional kicker in the NFL, and he missed a makeable field goal. But I thought that that was actually partly responsible from Kyle Shanahan. And let's, you know, we, we've done an awful lot of praising of a football team that is very good. And, and yesterday's loss doesn't change the fact that they're a very good football team. Kyle Shanahan had a shit day yesterday, Larry. There's no other way to say it. He was not good. He played afraid at the end of that game. And his biggest mistake of the day, uh, you know, on a day where his offense just totally got humbled everywhere. Well, it's third and seven at the Cleveland 23. And here comes Kyle trotting out his rookie kicker for a 41-yard field goal. Why didn't he run another play? I know. There was nine seconds on the clock. And a timeout. He had nine seconds and a timeout. And before anyone puts on the table, well, what you want there is to run the kick on third down. And if anything goes wrong with the snap or the hold, you get fourth down to try it again. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, you walk up to any kicker and you say, Would you rather have two shots because of the concept of something that is basically borderline automatic and not to be worried about at this level of football? You know, the the problem with a missed field goal, rarely is it the snap or the hold. So would you rather have two chances at something that's borderline automatic or would you just be closer? Every kicker in the world is going to choose closer. The difference between a 39-yard field goal and a 41-yard field goal is the difference in the six feet that that you know ball hooked right, and that's probably the difference in the game. I couldn't believe that Kyle didn't try to slam Jordan Mason just into the back of that offensive line to pick up a couple of more yards or sneak it with Brock Purdy. Last a couple of weeks ago, you and I were debating the merits of of the brotherly shove, the tush push. I mean, if the 49ers had that, they should have used that right there to get a little bit closer for their rookie kicker who had already had a miss on the afternoon. Right. I mean, I I, I don't understand, you know, I mean, I don't know what he was thinking there, but come on, you had to run one more play. You had to run one more play. I would have put it in Purdy's hands and let him just drop back to pass and um and find somebody or throw it away but take a shot to make more yards um I, you know 
I was kind of hoping for the touchdown there, to be honest, when that drive started, because I figured, well, or get real, real close for the easy field goal. Instead, I'm like, well, you know, it looked like, okay, they get to whatever it was, the 20-something yard line, but then it's a 41-yard field goal. And when he lined up for it, I was like, oh, no, this looks far. Now, the here's the question. How many chances do you give Jake Moody with with Robbie Gold sitting next to his phone at home? Well, guy, and, and, you're and in I your heard. Super Bowl window, and you've got a kicker that's never missed in the playoffs, and you made a financial move to go to the rookie kicker. Okay. Now the rookie kicker is showing that he, you know, has a big leg, but that he's a rookie and that it's not going to be a slam dunk. And he's been really, really good until yesterday. But realistically, how many kicks does he get to miss before you say, you know what? This is a problem. I mean, how many? I'd love to know. Is it one more? Is it two more? Is it three more? Is it four? What's the number? There has to be a number. And since Robbie, and since you, it's not like it's not like you got to decide. Well, do we cut Jake? Do we? No, you could put him on. You could injure. You could make sure that he. You could say he's hit. He say he's hurt. There's like nine different lists you could put him on. Um, oh, put him on the IR. Who are you trying to get the fired as the GM of the New York Mets, Larry? You're going to use a fake IL for. Here's the thing. Well, I mean, I'm just saying, if you want, you don't have to cut him. You could just put him on the injured injured reserve and and uh, you know bring in Robbie Gold. I mean, you're in your Super Bowl window. How many games are you willing to lose because of your rookie kicker? How many? You have all this cap space, so fitting in Robbie Gold now feels easier than ever. And it's not a well, you got to worry about Robbie next year. This is a one year deal. And you might lose Jake Moody as a player, it just mentally. You know, kickers are mental head cases. And if you just say, hey, rookie kicker, you missed your first 10 in a row, but after your first two misses, we're going to go back to the guy we drafted you to replace. I think you lose the kid. So, but I'll tell you what, if all the Niners need to do is sacrifice the career of Jake Moody to get a, a, a Super Bowl, you do it. You know what I mean? You do it. You cannot. Kyle cannot be in a situation where this team falls short because of a missed big kick in the postseason. And if that does happen, if that were to happen with Robbie Gold available and that choice being made, it would be, it would, you know, it would be bad. I don't know. I don't, there's no other way to say it. It would be devastating. It would be bad. So do you think? Forget forget the supposing and the maybe. Do you think that they're going to call Robbie Gold this week? Um, I do, I do. I think they are going to call Robbie Gold. Just have a chat. Now, well, Robbie, how you doing? How you feeling? What Staying are you doing, healthy, Robbie? How's Staying your hand? Healthy. You've been kicking. You're interested in kicking. I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying they ought to go to Robbie right now, but right now they have an option. If Robbie Gold gets signed in a week, they don't have an option. And, I, you know, they got to make a determination. You know, do they think this is going to work or not with this rookie kicker? There's rookie kickers that don't work out. You know, I mean, it's not – they drafted this guy in the third round. They don't have to give up on him forever. 
Um, but they've got to decide in what they can live with and what they can't. Can they live with them falling short of the Super Bowl because of a of a rookie kicker and his nerves? Can you? I don't. I don't know that you can. I mean, you know, you're gonna you're gonna put everything you got. I mean, fish and chips is like stop blaming Moody. He missed two field goals, including a 41-yard field goal. That's a gimme. Sorry. Sorry, fish and chips. You get the blame. When you fail, you get the blame. That's the way this thing goes. In the big leagues, was, in I the big was, leagues, you get blamed when you fail. Yeah, That's the no, way it goes. I, I also thought it was a failure on Kyle. You know, it feels like Kyle's not aware of of the concept of a closer kick for my rookie is an easier kick by definition. I mean, yeah, it, I really. But I mean, do. how close do you got to be? Forty-one no, yarders in the NFL in today's kicking deal, a right, forty-one-yard field goal is a gimme. Right, it's six gimme. yards further back than a point after. For goodness sakes, that's it. Right. So, um, it, it just needed- pushed it. He he hooked the first one. He pushed the second one. But I mean, forget these kicks. It's about the kicks coming up in January. It's about those kicks. Um, the Niners are going to qualify for the playoffs. He's not going to keep them from the playoffs. But my my question is, how many kicks do you need to see him miss before you go to the guy that's never missed in the playoffs? It's more of a question than anything else. But I definitely would be checking in with Robbie and I definitely would be having those conversations. Guys, how many kicks can we miss with our rookie kicker before we're going to make a move? How many? What do you think? You know what Jake Moody needs? He needs an acai bowl because they are filled with all sorts of nutrition and vitamins and deliciousness. <laughs> uh, welcome to 49ers Wake Up. Damon Bruce, Larry Kruger with you. We're brought to you by Palmetto Superfoods and the acai bowl. And here is the deal. Buy one, get one free. Go in, look for a small acai bowl. You get a second one free when you say Damon and Larry sent me. Go ahead and check it out. You got you got the code? You got the promo, Larry, to put that yep. up? Yes, there I do. There it is. There Let me grab is. one thing off the table. Hold on. Give me 30 seconds. Okay. Larry's getting one thing off the table. Uh, DBLK15 was the promo code to get you 15% off, but we've kicked that up a notch now. You can get a buy one, get one free uh, small acai bowl at Palmetto Superfoods. The reason why Larry was late this morning is because he was eating his acai bowl, I'm guessing. But um, it, 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 it's, it's absolutely delicious. It is fantastic. The truth is 49er football and acai bowls are strange bedfellows, right? What are you guys? You're like Larry is, is selling barbecue on his channel. Damon, you're doing Ike sandwiches and, and whiskey in the past. Like, what are you doing? We're bringing you something healthy. We're bringing you something good that absolutely lines up with having a delicious morning, a tasty yet healthy dessert. Check out an acai bowl. Do it at Palmetto Superfoods. You will be very, very happy that you did just that. Um, There he is. Larry's back, everybody. Would you have to run in and get a coffee? Oh, no, wait. Let me put his ears in. There you go. Yes. I, I, I poured myself a cup of coffee. Got to get and that I coffee just, in. I didn't, uh, didn't, didn't get it. Well, I'll tell you the the spot that you just missed me doing some of my best work ever. I'm sorry that you missed it, Larry. I really am. Uh, put, the, <laughs> put the big 49er wake up banner back around us again. It is wonderful to have you here. Thank from thank you for making this your choice 
Uh, Niner fans are waking up all over the world and tuning into this show now, day after. And we're going to be doing 49ers Wake Up on a Tuesday next week, Larry, because it's on to Minnesota. And then you'll actually be able to say, we're on to Cincinnati. And you really mean it because it's going to be the Bengals <laughs> next and then a bye week. But as we started this show with just the facts, how worried are we about a Debo or a McCaffrey injury? Based on what I've seen and heard so far, I'm not that worried. But you see how fragile this league is and how delicately every everything hangs in the balance. I mean, without player health, you're a different football team. And without Christian McCaffrey, this is a radically different football team. Yeah, I mean he's he's a great player. Um, you you're fortified though. I mean you have you have a back um, in in um, in JP Mason that you can lean on. Lean on him, you know. But but yeah, I mean he's got an oblique. Uh, Debo's got a shoulder. It doesn't sound like either injury is is um, season threatening in any way. It's just they're not going to have these guys. They may not have these guys for Minnesota. So, um, and and what we got are two players with injury histories about them. You know, it feels like when something starts to go wrong, that first injury makes the second injury a little bit easier to happen. And maybe that's just, that's just some injury anxiety on my part, but two guys with injury histories, um, are both injured right now. And, and, and that's not good. And honestly, Debo Samuel is It's really weird. Larry, he's a combination of an absolute beast, unstoppable force, and kind of really overrated all at the same time. Like, I I don't know, man. Like, Debo's good. I don't think he's he's overrated at all. I think think he's a tone-setting player for them. Well, when when he he didn't set a tone yesterday, he didn't do anything yesterday. Well, he was hurt. Um, Before he got hurt, he didn't do anything. Well, you're right. He had a drop. Um, on, a, on an early play, but I mean, he's a, he is a difference making play. I, I don't blame injury. I don't blame the players for the, for the injuries they suffer. Um, he's, he's incredibly important and they didn't have him. And, you know, he, he does anytime Damon, you, your job is to run, you know, some guys run around, other guys run through the Niners have a bunch of guys who run through you. Kittle runs through you. Debo runs through you. McCaffrey can do both. Uh, but they've got guys who run through you. Guys who run through you don't last that long. Guys who run through you get hurt. And that's why if there's, you know, John Lynch, here we are. It's the 16th of uh, October. The trade deadline comes up on the 31st. There's a bunch of guys rumored to be available. One of the positions that I think they ought to look at is one more weapon, um, you know, as, as some uh, somebody who runs around, somebody who's somebody who's got speed and creates space. Uh, I would look for that. And and there's a you know we discussed it on the post game show last night. There's any number of guys that are available uh, that are you know that are at least rumored to be available. And I would definitely go down that road and see who's out there and and who you could acquire. I mean, you're in your Super Bowl window. There's a lot of talk the Jets want to move McCole Hardman. He's a burner. A lot of talk that Arizona's going to move off Rondale Moore. He's a burner. Um, you know, I mean, if you there's talk at least that Devontae Adams is available. I don't know that that's worth it. 
there's also talk that James Conner and Josh Jacobs are available. I don't know that you need them, but um, you know, I mean, that you're gonna Lynch has got you know a couple weeks here to the Niners are armed with $41 million and all of their draft picks. They're firmly inside their Super Bowl window. They haven't gotten it done. They desperate to get it done. Um, and I think that there's a chance that, that, um, you know, that they, that they make a significant move and a significant addition. Um, I do think Debo will get healthy. I do think CMC will get healthy, but they're going to have to lean on some other guys for the next few weeks, probably to help them get healthy. And I would lean on J.P. Mason. And I know he fumbled a little bit in training camp, but I would still lean on him. He's big. He's powerful. I mean, he averaged over five yards a carry. He only got five carries. Uh, he had a big touchdown run the week before against Dallas. Utilize this kid. You know, I agree with you. Debo is a tone setter. And I'm not trying to diminish how good of a player that he is, but there are stretches of him disappearing in games he's uninjured. There are stretches of George Kittle doing nothing but blocking. And look, I'm not here to diminish the, the importance of his blocking either, but, um, you know, five out in the pattern. We were talking about that the other day, and it felt like you had to keep Kittle in a, a lot yesterday just for just for the heat that was coming from that Browns defensive line. But those two guys, whether it be yesterday or other games that the Niners win, and so, you know, you're, you're talking about it and nothing went wrong. You won the game, and so you don't bring... But there's a lot of games where Kittle is nowhere to be found, where Debo is like nowhere to be found. It's not because either guy got hurt. Um, you know, Puka Nakua is eight catches, 100 yards almost every single time you look up. And that guy's, a, a, you know, a rookie. No one even heard of him before week one. You know, I, I, I need a guy who's going to be there every day. And Brandon Ayuk has been that guy, other than the game that he missed, has been that everyday guy. But he had a bad game yesterday. He had some drops that he just... I'm sure would love to have back. And so it was it was a day of offensive failure, I think, from everyone. That the targets did a bad job, that the line did a bad job. Brock Purdy is not cloaked in glory, and we don't need to pretend that he had a better game than he really did. He didn't he was behind everyone all day, Larry. No, he was not. Completed. He only I, I watched the game again last night. He had three bad passes in the first half. He had three bad passes in the second half. I mean, that's what he had. I mean, I, the rest of the day, he was he was good. I mean, I seriously, I went through that thing with a fine-tooth comb. The first half, he bounced the ball to McLeod, but that whole pattern was screwed up. McLeod bound, uh, Ran into, uh, bumped into Trent Williams on yeah. that play. So and that was one. That's a play And I don't Nebo. know. I'm not even 100%. Right. And I'm not even 100% sure that he didn't throw that into the turf on purpose at that point. But – he bounced it. So that's one for sure. Bad throw. He had another throw where he overthrew CMC by a couple yards. It happens. You, you got him hit that if you can, but he didn't hit that. And then when the rain came late second quarter, he struggled with that one poor throw to Kittle. That was, he, it was supposed to be over Kittle's right shoulder. And instead it came out of his hand with a wet ball. It fluttered. It was, it was probably his ugliest throw of the day. And it landed near the sideline over Kittle's left shoulder. That was a poorly thrown ball. And then he had the ball that popped out of his hand mid throw. So those were his mistakes in the first half. In the second half, he also had three poor passes. Um, he had that one pass where he tried to layer it over the linebacker, um, and JOK, who's a terrific linebacker, had a great day, tipped the ball and almost intercepted it. Uh, that was early in the second half. 
Then he had the ball that was to Ayuk, and it was behind Ayuk by three, four feet, and it was intercepted by Emerson. That was obviously a bad ball. And then besides that, his only other really bad ball was the one where he was late um, on the ball to um, late in the game. He threw on that first on that last drive. He threw a ball that was almost intercepted by Newsom. Um, that was also two or three feet behind the receiver. But Ayuk and Debo um, combined for four drops, and for Ayuk, three of them were on him. He had he had a bad day. I mean, on a day where you didn't have where Kittle didn't do much, and um, and Debo was hurt, and CMC was hurt. Ayuk needed to step up as the number one guy, and he was AWOL. He made a few plays in the second half, but you know, three key drops for Brandon Ayuk. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, Brock wasn't good, but his receivers were weren't good either. The line, you know, it was a, this is a great defense. I mean, there was there was a four or five plays in the second half where you know he was running for his life. So it just, you know, it's it was a it was a a series of things that all added up, and it added up to a two point loss against a pretty good Browns team on the road. Um, it's just the way it goes in the NFL. I would say if you got 17 games in the season, you're going to have maybe, maybe if you're really, really good, maybe 10 games that you're at your optimal peak, uh, level. And then there's going to be a few games that you weren't. And this one after last week's big national TV win over Dallas, um, this was going to be a, a game where they were a little flat. I really thought, though, Damon, when the te- two teams brawled in the preseason, that that was a major advantage Niners from the standpoint of, hey, you know what? There was a chance they were going to sleepwalk through this one, and after that brawl, there was no chance of that. But really credit uh, Schwartz, credit the Browns, Dalvin Tomlinson, JOK, Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward. They got a lot of big-time players on their defense, and they showed up. And then P.J. Walker made just enough plays. Amari Cooper made a couple amazing plays. I thought Kareem Hunt was really good in this game. Jerome Ford had that 122-yard run late. The Browns did just enough offensively to to get this thing done. Um, but it was a it was a team loss. It, it it truly was. A few weeks ago, when when they won, they had a, a the game against the Cardinals. Everybody got involved, and it was a true team win. This was a true team loss. Yeah, I mean that's fair. I, I, I look. I'm not going to defend Purdy. I thought his afternoon. You can talk about. He wasn't good. Was he wasn't, he good. wasn't good. He wasn't. I mean, no. I, we've seen Brock Purdy. But he wasn't horrendous. If you go watch the film, you'll see he wasn't. Hor- it wasn't like. I mean, you got to remember Jalen Hurts yesterday threw three picks. I mean, I've seen quarterbacks. We've seen Mahomes as great as he is. Just absolutely be the reason his team lost if you go back through that thing with a fine-tooth comb Brock Purdy was among the reasons they lost he wasn't the reason they lost I thought Kyle Shanahan certainly among the reasons why the 49ers lost yesterday I didn't like not running an extra play to get Moody closer at the very end Um, I hated his sequence of pass 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 Greg Olson even called it out like here it right. is. You just took the lead. You got the ball back. And now it's like bleed some clock and don't give Cleveland a decent shot to come down here and kick or, you know, get, get the go ahead score. And 
uh, Kyle just threw the ball three times on a day his quarterback and his wide receivers had nothing. I, I, I know, I, but he, but Damon, go. Let's. You're talking about their 11th series, the second to last last series. 3:21 left. Cleveland or uh, uh, Niners down 17-16. And I agree with you. I, I my in a, and when the announcer said it, you'd almost guaranteed that people were gonna were gonna re-utter that today. But if you go back and look at that series, the first and ten play was the mistake. They should have run on first and ten. Get the clock instead, moving. get the clock inst- moving. Exactly. And Cleveland had two timeouts, forced them to 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 use them. Um, but what happened was the worst thing happened. First and ten from the twenty-five. Purdy's under heavy rush. He throws it away, and he gets the grounding penalty. Yep. And so then you're looking after that point. You had to pass. You're second and twenty-one. You're going to run on second and twenty-one. He went to IU, got an out pattern for ten. Then it was third and eleven, um, and he th- and he had to throw it away under rush, um, and they wound up punting. So it wound up being three passes. But the first play got you so far behind on the chains. If you know you could have just given up on the series and ran on second down, uh, maybe you should have at that point because you punted, punted anyway. But once you ran, once you passed and and had a penalty on first down and got to second and twenty one. If if you're really trying to convert, you got to pass, and they were I trying thought, to convert. I thought where Cleveland was at its best yesterday was sn- just sniffing out that screen game, and there was a lot of screen game in the game plan. You saw it, um, and and when Cleveland started jumping over it, it, it's like they didn't go away from it or something. It, it was it's the reason why this team had one passing yard in between the first drive of the game. And we didn't see another passing yard, I think, until the third quarter at that particular time. Like you had Christian McCaffrey on first and 10 getting buried for eight yard losses because Miles Garrett and company were just sniffing out screens. And maybe that's just Schwartz being all over Kyle's tendencies, which he's got some serious ownage on Kyle now. It'd be hard to argue that he's not inside that guy's playbook and inside his head. And and uh, the, the, the Browns were just really good yesterday. The 49ers were really bad yesterday, and I'm proud of us. We've gone about 40 minutes into the show here, Larry, without complaining about officials because that's a very easy thing to do. Let's just say this, and I want to get this out there to combat what I know is about to happen in the chat and in other places. We are not blaming the referees for this loss. Do you understand that? Is that can I put that on the table any clearer? The referees are not responsible for the 49ers losing this game. However, they are responsible for two game altering plays that had either gone the 49ers way, they probably win the game. The Gibson unnecessary roughness hit is as ridiculous a pussified, scared officiating league can show you how bad that they've become at officiating this grown man's game. There was nothing about that hit that was dirty. There was nothing about that hit that could have been changed based on the physics of the earth and gravity. There is nothing about that hit that was helmet to helmet. There was nothing that was, I mean, like, it's, here's the thing, you know, like describe. There's one word, there's one word to describe it. Textbook. Clean. Yeah, it was clean. It was clean. So it was a, it's a textbook hit. And it's a textbook hit. I mean, it's 
Larry, here's the thing. If he had wanted to put the lumber on him, I mean, Gibson 100% pulled up in that moment. He didn't go through the player. He didn't go through the body and just dismantle someone. He pulled up a little and still didn't even get the benefit of the doubt. And then the other officiating moment that absolutely altered the game because it probably prevented a scoop and score by Nick Bosa was the P.J. Walker was his hand coming forward. I thought it was a fumble pass. Um, I I thought it was a quick whistle uh, by a crew that didn't even march off yardage correctly at one point in this game, didn't even call penalty. Like, it was a shit day for that crew yesterday. They were bad. And the Browns had reason in a win to be unimpressed by that officiating. And the 49ers have, you know, more reason in a loss to be upset. Here it is. Excellent, Larry. I'm glad you dialed it up. Look at you producing like Fred Gadelli. Here we go. Yeah, let me just make sure we get the volume down on this. We don't need the volume. We'll just go with the uh, the video. Here's the here's the route. Here's the hit by Gibson. It's perfect. Watch this. Again, what what do you want him to do? The player was in midair. Both of is is Gibson supposed to wait for both of his feet to come back down to the ground before he plays football? I don't get I don't get what where is the infraction? Where is it? There's no helmet to helmet. That's shoulder pad to shoulder. I, I don't see it. I no, don't get it. Well, it's because the NFL on this play is officiating contact and there and, and it's not reviewable. I mean, who came up with the idea that you're gonna have review in a sport and then take the bang bang fastest hardest to officiate play and say it's not reviewable not reviewable you can review everything look you can't i review i mean we're in a world where we have review so any play that's unreviewable is is means that you're dangling that means that you know some part-time school teacher who's out there in cleveland on a rainy day um has to get this right in real time and if he doesn't get it right in real time you know, you're you're everybody's just going to look really, really bad. Why can't this be reviewable? And this is textbook. If he goes low on his on his knees and the guy, you know, flips over and lands on his head, um, you know, that's a penalty. If he goes helmet to helmet, that's a penalty. I mean, we're asking these guys to be, you know, Olympic gymnasts. They're football players for crying out loud on wet fields, and that was as textbook as it gets. This is a textbook hit. Little slant, you hit the inside shoulder, you rocked him, he went down. And here comes the flag. You know, it's like I, I don't understand why that why in a in a why why throw the flag there if it's not reviewable? I mean you could always you could always take a look at it afterwards and say, oh, you know, that was too violent. But I mean, once you make this call, you can't undo this call. So, I mean, this is one of the worst game, calls we've seen all year. In a violent game, that is not even a violent hit. That's not, but Christian McCaffrey gets hit twice as hard as that every single time he touches the ball. Uh, somebody on the chat says, well, you have the concept of defenseless receiver going on here. This is a defenseless receiver. Then the NFL needs to outlaw jumping. No receiver can have both feet off the ground at any time. I mean, seriously, 
What, I mean, defenseless. The only reason why he's defenseless is because he leapt into the air. There, he shouldn't have jumped. How dare you jump and create a defenseless situation? You know, I mean, it's just, it, it, that's such a ticky-tack foul. Well, um, once again, that's favoring the offense too much, okay? I understand why they want to favor the offense over the defense, but you have to allow the defense to play the game. So you're saying that he should have stayed back, let the ball either fall, you know, make be completed or be incompleted, and then he could tackle the guy. I mean, that's a, that's, that's a different sport than the one we grew up with. And that right there is textbook hit. Textbook. It was Hits bad. Him right on the shoulder pads. And I this mean, is on third and 10. And this would have been fourth and 10. Instead, it's an automatic first down and a 15 yard penalty tacked on. All right. I don't want to see it anymore. That's enough. That's enough. That's that, that to me is a a ridiculous decision by an officiating crew which showed you that they were just in no state-of-the-art decision-making mode at any point in time. They couldn't even call face mask in the right direction or march off yardage in the right direction a couple of different times in this game as well. So, How about um, the Mooney Ward hold? Yeah. I mean, that was not a hold. I mean, there was no hold there at all. He didn't clutch his jersey. He didn't grab him. Uh, that was a phantom call, both on the same drive. So that those two penalties really hurt. And then, you know, another one, if we're just going to let quarterbacks as they're going to the ground, flick the ball with their wrist in there in nothing about about that throw is a throw. Right. Then it should be the advantage to the defense. Whatever gives the defense more of an advantage should be the call. So if it's more of an advantage to have it be an incompletion and a, and a penalty, a grounding penalty, the defense should get that. If it's if the play continues and it's a turnover and that's the bigger advantage for the defense, then that should be the rule. But well, just allowing quarterbacks to, as they're, I mean, he was basically in the grasp. He flipped around, didn't know the defender was there. Oliver hits him. And he just kind of pushes it off the side of his hand a foot and a half. It's a clear fumble. Um, to have that be an incomplete pass, and we're sitting there going, well, did his fingers go forward? you got to be kidding. There's nothing about that that's a pass. Nothing. Well, and, and you just had, again, an officiating crew instantly say, no doubt about it. Clear as day, nothing to even discuss. Well, it was challenged. It was challenged. No, I know, but here's the thing. you got to let the play happen. You officiate it as a fumble. You officiate it as the scoop and score. And then you at least have the opportunity to go back and, and take a, a look at it. I mean, here's the thing. It's the old. There's they, do, not, they did take a look at it, I and know, they confirmed. I, right, but. It's a bad rule, Damon. What I'm saying is uh, the defense. It's a it's a it's a absolute bogus favor to the offense where if if basically every sack that anybody commits going forward if you see the guy coming you can just flick it off the side of your wrist anything going forward at all and that negates the sack in this and whatever's coming from it usually a fumble 
So no, I miss. Hold on, I miss there a little defense. bit. The problem, the problem with that is, it was so close. In the eyes of review, had that been ruled fumble, scoop, score, touchdown, they wouldn't have been able to overturn that. I guess is the point I'm trying to make. So had the official not determined that with my own eyes I can officiate this moment so perfectly that it's got to be a fumble. Um, it would have the Niners would have had seven more points. There, look, um, there's a solution here. Have you ever been to the racetrack? Sure. Okay. Um, when there's a photo finish, they don't say the one horse won unless overwhelming video, uh, you know, evidence says otherwise. They simply flash inquiry. It goes to the stewards and they make the right call inquiry. That's all they got to do in these situations that are so damn fast that they don't know what happened inquiry. And it goes to the booth. That's it. You don't have to predispose one outcome over another. You don't have to have overwhelming video influ uh, you know, evidence that, that negates the bad call on the field. Because let's remember, the call that's made on the field will be favored because you need overwhelming video evidence to overturn the call on the field. Why should an incorrect view or an incorrect call be advantaged over the correct call? Right. Just throw up the inquiry like they do at the track. Go the go to the stewards in this case. Go to the video judge above. We don't know what that was. Inquiry. Now here it is. Then neither outcome is favored, and then you're more apt to get a fair result. Right. Don't um, don't leave yourself with the wiggle room to default back to the wrong decision in the first place. Right. And you know where it really comes into play on fumbles in games that aren't the Super Bowl when there's limited camera angles and the balls in the scrum and we think it was a fumble, but we can't, you know, we can't, it was ruled non fumble on the field and we can't get quite the angle that quite shows it. That's where you just go inquiry booth review make the best call based on the video evidence that you have not tied to the call on the field. Who cares? Who really cares about the call on the field by a part-time official? And then here's the other thing. It's a 20, you know, the NFL is always caught in these days between their mom and pop roots and their, and what they are today, which is the fastest growing industry in America. That's worth $20 billion. It's no longer quaint to um, say, hey, a guy was packing, was stocking shelves at Kroger's on Wednesday, and on Sunday he played in the NFL. No, they don't do that anymore. They got a 16-man practice squad, okay? And they this whole idea of, you know, Bob taught school on Friday and, and had a social studies test, and on Sunday he's he's officiating the Super Bowl. Right. That sounds like, oh, isn't that quaint? No, it's not good. It's like... Go. It, th there's enough money on the line. There's enough uh, get gambling money on the line. There's enough every jobs and careers and everything. There's enough importance in these games. It you can't just be like, well, it's just a game. No, it's not just a game. It's a multi-billion-dollar industry, right. and careers are on the line. And get it freaking right. And part-time officials is a thing of the past and should be wiped away for full-time officials because right. how do you become better at your job? It's when you stop doing it part-time and start doing it full-time.
The NFL is literally a pillar that the entire country stands and leans on. From entertainment to business to free time to family bonding to having an opportunity to hang out with your kid on a weekend. Like it is football is and this is probably not something that we should be proud of. But football is like one of the 10 most important subjects in the United States. Okay, so get it right. Get it right. Um, Yeah, you're right. No more mom and pop. Uh, this guy is a he, he's a truant <laughs> officer and he gets kids to high school and then here he is making sure everybody's getting in the line of scrimmage on time. It's amazing how life balances itself out. No, no, it's not. It's not. Um, pay every single official. How about this? If every official on a field was making six figures, mid six figures, you would get better people doing it. The higher paying the position, the better the applicant for the job becomes. Yeah. So there you go. Get that done. Uh, let me let me say this, though. Since we just did a 20 minutes on everything that's wrong with football, the broadcast, and, and whatnot, Larry, Greg Olson is the premier color analyst in football today. He's outstanding. He is really good. That crew, Burkhardt, is really good. But Olson, good, yep. Olson is A+. Plus. He is as good as any booth analyst I've ever heard. He is all over plays and players and actions and and details. He's a smart guy. He's a he, he's he's interesting. He presents well. He sounds great. He explains himself without any any distraction. Just fantastic stuff from Greg Olson. He had he might have had the best game in Cleveland yesterday. He's good. They're a good combo. Burkhart's really good on baseball and football. Um, Olsen's really strong as well. Yeah, no, they're, they, they, do, they do a nice job. They absolutely do. So welcome to let's call our number two here on 49ers Wake Up, brought to you by Palmetto Superfood and the Acai Bowl that is sweeping the entire Bay Area. Get yourself a buy one, get one free Acai Bowl by using promo code DBLK15 still, or just go in there and say, Damon and Larry sent me. I was told that I get one of these free if I buy, uh, a, if you, you buy a small, you get a small for free. There you go. Forget about the 15% off. We're not trying to save you like 90 cents or whatever it is. This is a buy one, get one free. And trust me, when you try one acai bowl, you'll be back for another one. Have Larry and I ever steered you wrong, whether it be a sandwich, some barbecue, something to drink, something to eat, something to snack on. We've never stirred you wrong, steered you wrong, not once, and we're not doing it now. you got to try it one bite. You'll be a believer. It's absolutely delicious. It's good for you all at the same time. Try out an acai bowl from Palmetto Superfoods. It's great to have them along as a sponsor. And Larry, I think you and I might be cooking up an appearance at, at a Palmetto Superfood sometime here in the in the near future where we're going to invite everyone out. We'll use social media to let everyone know where we are, when we're going to be there, and uh, hopefully get a nice little crowd of like-minded football fans together to uh, enjoy a little afternoon or something. Yeah, these are absolutely delicious. It's great for you, but it's really, really good. And, uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, I, 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 I've been doing all these different streams the last few weeks, and just out of nowhere, it'll just be like, hey, Krug, I tried an acai bowl <laughs> and I'm like, good, good. So do it, do it. And, you know, it's one of those things. There's very few things in life. You know, if you try it once, 
you'll be a fan, but this is one of those. Uh, if you try an acai bowl, you're going back for more because it's so damn delicious and and absolutely phenomenal. And you know what? Um, the you know the base model is really really good, and I would start there. But then after that, it's customizable. So my wife can't wait for their location to open in downtown Walnut Creek, and um, it's 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 it really is one of those things where uh, you have one of these, and this will start being part of your 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 ritual your you know that you maybe maybe it's a morning ritual maybe it's a dinner ritual but this is going to be part of your regular uh dietary plan once you try one they are absolutely phenomenal phenomenal for you but also phenomenal tasting to me that's where it really starts you know you could say oh eat it it's good for you no 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 eat it it's great it's tasty yeah you're gonna love it you're absolutely gonna love it Where's our where's our tasty little banner that goes around us? The, the, <laughs> there, the, you go. there we are. There we are. There we are.